Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to warn you that they're coming. We made it through another year, and we have pop culture to prove it. This week, our favorite pop culture from a year that we won't mind seeing the back end of. There's a joke to be made here about Pedro Pascal and his over-concealing Mandalorian cape, but I am just too wiped out by this going on four weeks cold to do it. You just live for a Mandalorian dig. True. As always, we are going to uh, ask you to rate and review us, and you're going to ignore us, but we've done it, so it really does help, but you don't care. Um, <laughs> it's a little nihilistic here in week four of the cold. <laughs> What'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? Um, surprisingly, for having a cold, I should have you know, consumed more pop culture. I mostly just sat and stared into the void and wondered, when will this end? Oh, God, <laughs> when will this end? Um so, but the things that I did do, uh, The Need is a book by Helen Phillips, an author I did not know anything about. She was on a lot of the kind of top 10 lists for 2019. Uh, I started this novel. It is about sensibly a kind of home invasion story, but it has supernatural twists and um, is a lot of fun and is ostensibly about motherhood and all the perils that come with it when you're a mother to two young kids, kind of dealing with shit on your own. It feels very much in the vein of Paul Tremblay, an author that we've talked about and uh, liked. Maybe who will appear on this list? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I really think you'd like it, Vanny, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But this is great stuff. This also is a follow-up for me finishing uh, the fifth season by N.K. Jenison, I think I'm getting that right. Last time I think I said Jemison, and it's Jemison. I can't. I thought it was Jemison. It's but an that's NRNM. Just... I'm so sorry. Um, get at us. Yeah, I, just count your Hugos and um, cry in your man. Tea. I love the fifth season. I I was this is the first time this happened in a while where I wanted to jump into the next book in in the Broken Earth trilogy, but I also was like, I need to break it up a little bit because I don't want to rush through it. The sign of a good series for me. I was very excited. So now I'm reading The Need. Helen Phillips, it's hitting the spot too. It's a little short. So I think I'm going to be right back in N.K. Jenison. I also re-downloaded Comixology Unlimited, The Shame. Um, I just, being sick, Fanny's doing the shame bell over there. I've been wanting to go back and forth between literature and junky-ass Fantastic Four comics written by John Byrne in the 1970s or 80s. It is garbage. It is so all my brain can handle right now. Um, speaking of things my brain can't handle, Waka Waka, uh, Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach's Oh, God. I don't even know how to just even talk about this movie. Scene, scene study? His, it's Scene Study, the movie. It is on Netflix. Um, a lot of people like this movie. It will show up on many top ten lists. Um, not mine. <laughs> Probably not Fanny's. Um, I would say it might show up on my disappointments at the list, except I just don't really like Noah Baumbach movies. And I have a... Uh, I don't know. What's the... Um, we need a we need a brand next moment of you were right, Fanny, Mea Culpa. Scarlett Johansson is a bad actor. And even more surprising to me, 
Adam Driver is a really bad actor. Uh, this is Scene Study the Movie. Let me okay, be clear. To give her a moment I love this. you, Adam Driver. Okay, you are our generate this generation's Keanu Reeves. However, Keanu Reeves cannot act. He is charisma in a bottle. He seems like a super nice guy. Adam Driver, you are charisma in a bottom bottle. You seem like a super nice guy. You can't act. It was Cans. She's not a nice. She was a nice lady, and she didn't deserve to die. And scene study the movie. There's no interiority to these characters. They are supposed to be like cool theater New York people. I don't buy any of it. <laughs> um, it, it mostly on the evidence of how their acting is in the movie. You think, oh, are these supposed to be terrible actors in <laughs> on like fringe shows in on you know in New York? Um, and they moved to L.A. It's kind of funny. I mean, I will say the one thing I liked about it was funnier than I thought it would be for how it was described. Um, maybe I'm not a fucking heterosexual man involved in marriage. I will say that this movie um, is really just about how horrible heteronormativity is uh, in regards to marriage and how fucked up that institution can be and how fucked up the divorce industry is. But yet it doesn't really address that. It's so insular. It's so like a stage play about these two weird characters that you don't really buy and they're dissolving marriage. Um, there are some scenes in this that are so laughably bad. This music in this movie done by Randy fucking You've Got a Friend Newman um, is so distracting. It's call, just... <laughs> call out to Connie Hartung. <laughs> Why? Why is that? When we saw him at... Hardly strictly with her. She was like, mm, "Yeah, this is terrible. It, it, it is such a weird tonal mismatch. This movie has a f- stupid tiny little boner for Stephen Sondheim. Uh, there's a scene, spoiler, sorry for Marriage Story, where he sings Being Alive in front of his fucking coworkers. And the whole thing I could think was... Is this scene supposed to be about him torturing his coworkers with well, this god awful rendition of Sondheim? And I am sorry for crude language here, but I have seen so many NPR and like think pieces, uh, like of people creaming themselves over how amazing this is, and I'm thinking, if I have to watch that scene, I might very well poke my eyeballs out and put knitting needles in my eardrums. Yeah, it is. I, I just. I, and everybody keeps talking about how raw it is. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just far from it. But, like, to me, the leaps made in this movie from Scarlett Johansson's character being some, and both of them being somewhat like, let's try and work this out like adults. And and making a movie of how this spirals into lawyers and hatred and repressed emotions, that is an interesting story to tell. But the movie's not really interested in that. It's just sort of interested in Oscar clips from scene study of the movie. Um, I really just did not think this is a very good movie. It's not terrible, but it's just the fact that Sounds it's in the terrible. Oscar. Um, I mean, there's it's funny. Like I said, Alan Alda's great. Lauren Dern's great. Um, there's nice sort of things happening around the edges of it, but it's it's just not what it thinks it is. And I, I've had this problem with Noah Baumbach for years. I don't. I think he's just he's Woody Allen for his generation. Ooh. Like hopefully minus. All the creep shit, but it's like I don't really need another Woody Allen. Like I got one. Like I'm, I'm good. Makes um, sense that Scarlett Johansson's hooking yep, up onto him then, totally. since she's not willing to turn her back on Woody Allen either. Hundred percent. God, I have so many problems with her. Uh, his Dark Materials um, 
It is, uh, there's a new episode tonight, which I haven't seen, but the last episode, which finally got to, uh, I believe in the books, it's called, sorry, spoilers for His Dark Materials, uh, The Battle of Bolvinger, 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 and I say it, um, finally this show has kind of lived up to a little of the fun and the, and the path, like the pathos and the sort of epicness of it, uh, Lyra finally kicks some ass, the armored bear kicks some ass, um, it was a lot of fun, I, for once I actually was invested in the dynamic between, uh, the mom and, uh, Lyra, it's kind of fun, um, the first episode I've seen that's kind of done that, so I don't know whether that's going to continue, but this is what I wanted this show to be more often, I think it gets the big broad strokes well. It does not get the quiet moments well. I think that's the big problem that this episode sort of showcases. Um, finally, I need to give <laughs> a shout out, as did much of the internet uh, today, to Kamal Nanjani's fucking abs. Like, what is happening? Uh, can we just uh, bottle that and vote for that for the primary? <laughs> like, I don't know. Will it give us health care? I mean, I, th- I think those abs can do anything. Um I, I've talked about on this podcast, I have a major, major crush on, oh, yeah. on, on Johnny. Uh, this is just, I don't know. It's a little unreal. Like, I just am like, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's breaking my brain in a way that I'm not sure how I feel about. Um, and also. And also. There's more about how wonderful he was about it. What else oh, did he do? He <laughs> actually said some very sweet stuff about kind of the privilege of being an actor in Hollywood and having resources and sort of like, this is not a normal thing for people to strive to. So he just continues to be just the the great person all around. Um, And when he shows up in the Eternals in a weird, crazy outfit, I'm going to do my best to go along with it, even though that sounds like a terrible movie. Um, What did you do in pop culture? I got nothing. Okay. School year's trying to kill me. Uh, I don't actually have absolutely nothing. I have a little bit of something. I did go ahead and read the Buffy comics that you recommended, and the, you were right. The art was good. I did enjoy the dialogue. It was right on. And then I went into the second arc. I'm so upset about this. Where they hired, I don't know, a fifth grader to draw <laughs> the people. And the art is so bad that it completely takes me out of it. Like people have like goldfish eyes. They're like up by their ears and (laughs) it's, it's not good. And I cannot draw a stick. So I'm a fine one to talk, but they're also not paying me to draw a comic. And this looks like they did pay me to draw a comic. And I almost can't go any further, even though I'm invested in the story and I want to know what happened to Xander and all of this good stuff, because I cannot the art is so bad, and the first four were so good. So I don't understand. Buffy, get your shit together. Why so many comics these days are they jump artists so quickly? I don't know whether they can't just don't sort know. Of pay to retain people, but it's like whoever the people are that are the visionary match for the beginning don't stick around. And that is super frustrating. So I feel you. Is the dialogue at least? Yeah, it's still the, good? the writing is still fine. The writing is still good, but it is so distractingly not the same artist, uh. and the artist is bad. I bought two epi- two uh, issues. I read half of the first one and was like, "Eh, I'm gonna go and have my 102 degree fever and sleep now instead of read this." Ugh, boo. Yeah, it was. I'm I'm not happy. All right. Well. I will give it a try, maybe, and we'll give a little follow-up review. Okay. Um, since we've got a lot to talk about, should we jump into our best 
pop culture list of 2019? Sure. All right. One caveat. There are still a few buzzworthy things we haven't seen, uh, which may or may not make it onto our list. Uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Little Women, The Irishman. Irishman's not making my list. Um, I can say that. (laughs) There are a bunch of things we haven't seen that uh, I would like to see just to feel like I've got a more complete picture. But such is the perils of living in the East Bay as we don't see all of this stuff uh, on time, unfortunately. Uh, but we will share our thoughts on many of those. Also, the Irishman is like four hours long. And I don't care if it's on Netflix. My butt and this cold was not up to it. Yeah. And you know Marriage Story is not on either of our lists. Nope. So. All right. Why don't you go first? Kick oh, I'm going first? With okay. number 10. Number 10 is going to make you mad. And we have decided we're being nice to each other for this. <laughs> number 10 doing a who done it basically one room westinghouse type thing right is knives out um i really enjoyed mostly just the fun of this cast really and having a good time and just digging in and i laughed i have thought about it a lot uh watching the corners of this film and and everything that was going on i think that there is actually more to this movie than just the giggles and i think it has some kind of staying power and so does Maisie and I so number 10 is Knives Out I fully support that decision and that's not just me being nice I just recommended that movie to my parents it is a fun enjoyable movie that like does any not other get made year, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Any other year, it might not have come close to my top ten, but God, I enjoyed this. And I've not sat and enjoyed two and a half hours in a movie a lot this year. So thank you, Ryan Johnson. Thank you, cast. I really did enjoy this. I think I want to re- reiterate, too, when I came out of it, and maybe I said this on the podcast, like, Ryan Johnson's ability to just, like, genre hop oh, and do so a really, yep. like, workman-like, and I mean that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Like, he just sort of is a very... I appreciate that as somebody who does weird book publishing where I jump from topic to topic. Totally. He can do this extremely well. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate it. And I think his heart's in the right place. And he I gets fun performances in the movie. It was totally yeah. fun. And so. I liked getting to watch Chris, uh, American, I mean, Captain America say, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit, and you eat shit. That was fantastic. Liked it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and the distressed sweater that has launched a thousand think pieces. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay. Oh, people are very into his, di- well, and it's distressed in certain places. It's kind of falling apart oh. people are like trying to make their sweaters look like that it's a thing okay so, what's your number 10 um so this is a surprise to me and to you and your eye roll will be felt across the room Yay. i know that we're starting off with the things that are uh tricky uh this is a movie that i think i came out of feeling a little like bothered by and whatever i haven't been able to get out of my head uh, i know this is a critical favorite for many people this year i don't think i loved it quite as much as everybody else but parasite is a uh, movie that I got you. Nothing else I've seen this year, um, and until the ending, which I think we talked about, go back and listen to that podcast. The ending does not work for me, but up until that point, I think it's masterful. Um, I really, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but I, the ending does cause problems. Yeah, but, and yeah. that's why I have a runner-up. My only, I was like, I need some horror, yeah, and yeah. Us was real close for nice. me. Yeah, but because of the ending, it was like, yeah, there's some great commentary there, yeah. and I really liked it. And Jordan Peele, I love what he's doing, but yep. it didn't quite get there. And totally. Parasite's the same thing. It's the same thing, me. just yeah. like some really good stuff. Yep. and you know, yep. I, yeah, and and also I want to sort of preface this by saying. That for me, this year was, you know, calling back to our opener there, this year was rough politically. Oh. Uh, it was rough emotionally in some ways. Uh, 
I, I didn't. It was a little hard to find 10 things I super loved this year. Yeah. And I just want to be honest about like, oh, God, is it just like me or is right. it, um, you know, the world, uh, the burden on artists making art in this shitty fucked up world. And also feel like, you know, realizing that like we have it pretty good here. We're very safe. We're very privileged. Um, <clears throat> but I think Parasite made me think and made me check myself about how... Um, lucky we are living here right now right. in the Bay Area some ways um, and not in a like gross way in a way that was very like uh, just honest about what it was. Um, no, absolutely. Until that ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And no eye roll. And again, it's yeah. the same thing right, I right. felt about us. It came yeah. so close, but and for the same reasons. So I yeah. got it. What do you have for number nine? Number nine, I have a book. This feels very of its time and this is more, I mean, the book was good. It was it was a ter- page turner and and I did enjoy it, but it's much more this bookend of we needed this and we need to continue to investigate this. Ronan Farrow, Catch and Kill. Nice. Um, especially in the light of the fucking New York Post article that I'm not going to go too into. Don't read this, you guys. It'll just make you mad. Side next New York Post. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pharaoh's grasp of making this book entertaining at the same time as pulling back a curtain on a whole bunch of people that tried to make sure it didn't happen and also championing championing women and at the same time saying, I know this isn't my story. I just happened to be here as well. I, it was a great book, but also a really necessary book. And I... Absolutely recommend it as an enjoyable read, but also as something that we need to be looking at and to continue to look at. And I don't want it to just go away and have it be, oh, you know, oh, that Me Too thing that happened. This is continues to be important and it continues to be important that we stop letting it happen. And the only way we're going to do that is by continuing to talk about it and by continuing to say that it's not okay. And Ronan Farrow is continuing to say it's not okay and helping other people say it as well. So I thought it was a great book. I need to read that book. And I love that it, (coughs) sorry, that was just a cough and not a weird laugh. Um, That it really, like I think you said this on the podcast with Rose McGowan really I did a lot of crying yeah. and soul searching about. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people I saw that a lot, and it's. I mean, if the book did nothing else other than. I don't want to judge people anymore. Yeah. I don't want society to tell me as a woman that I should think other women are bad because of how they're dealing with their trauma. Right. Even if I don't know what their trauma is, I should stop and and wonder about that. I need to look into that. Yeah, big and, theme this year. Yep. <laughs> yep. What do you got, number nine? Uh, Pedro the Lion. Uh, this is David Bazan's terribly named first band. It wouldn't be me without a terrible name. Um, when this band, I talked about it a bit way back earlier in the year when this album came out. Um, it started as a sort of very Christian album uh, from a band, well, band, very Christian band that uh, was grappling with faith uh, kind of in the real world and grappling with addiction. And he used sense has gone solo and dealt with all of that has become very uh much an atheist and also has continued to struggle with addiction uh he got the band sort of back together it's mostly new people as far as i know um i think he was addressing his version of spirituality on this album that's why he recorded it back under the page of the lion name 
Um, I played uh, Little Yellow Bike way back, which is a terrific track. The whole album is a love letter. It's called Phoenix is the name of the album. The whole album is a love letter to his uh, childhood in Phoenix and not even a love letter, just a reckoning and all of the good and bad that come with uh, his experience. There's a song called Quietest Friend, which is just uh, absolutely devastating about, you know, a friend from his childhood that he remembers that was... Um, somebody that he didn't appreciate, somebody that he sort of put to the margins and is sort of realizing the pain that he sort of witnessed without really intervening or acknowledging his relationship to. Uh, this is a beautiful song. I want to just play a little... Peter the Lion, uh, David Bazan on the album Phoenix with the song uh, Quietest Friend, which is, man, we need more of that compassion. And also rocking with guitars, because that is a really rocking song. Uh, what's your number eight? Final season of Orange is the New Black. Nice. <laughs> um, also important themes, but just a kind of full circle paying tribute to all of the characters that we had cared about and the writing came back kind of full force yeah there was a bit too much piper on the outside i'll give you that but at least they brought in alicia witt thank you for that um i just thought that some of this was so devastating and so beautiful and i was really glad that they sent it off in a way that paid tribute to the early brilliance of this show I would have put that on my list, except I sort of forgot about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I didn't. <laughs> that's right there now that we're talking about it on my bubbling under honorable yeah. mention. Because, yeah. wow, that was a great last season. Yeah, it was. I feel like so many people dismissed that show right. kind of I a few seasons ago and didn't really give it a chance in this final season that was under... And I would say that its actual final episode of its final season <sighs> was... that. You know, nothing is ever going to be Six Feet Under's finale, but they did it. They gave it a pretty good go. The way it talked so much about sort of immigration issues and just such a good, good final season. So focused. No, absolutely. They knew exactly how they wanted to tell their story and they did it very well. Yeah, that's a really good call. Hat tip for for nailing the ending. Totally. You? 
Uh, I have Last Black Man in San Francisco, Joe nice. Talbot's movie, uh, written with his uh, old friend Robert Chair, who also stars in it as the main character. Uh, we talked about. I talked about it a bit on the uh, earlier episode. It is a dreamy, crazy, wonderful movie. I think I, a few years ago I was obsessed with uh, you know the Brooklyn movie uh, Hearts Beat Loud with uh, Nick. That uh, was last year. Was that oh, last year? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I talked about that a lot as movies that... <coughs> a movie that, excuse me, the cold is still strong. Um, really embracing how I was feeling around a geographical thing and my capturing moments in time. This movie is really that version of that for me this year. Um, it is strange. It doesn't feel... Um, you know, it feels unreal, but it also feels so real. And I right. have not been around, and I also don't know San Francisco that well, but I understand it coming back to the Bay Area and sort of feeling what this movie is saying in its bones. It is hopeful, it is sweet, it is a movie for like dreamers um, of, of all kinds. And um, I just really appreciated it uh, for a lot of reasons. And it just, like, images are just burned in my brain from this movie. Just watching um, this Rob Rocher, uh character that he plays just skateboarding down the streets of San Francisco. Um, just I, just beautiful filmmaking. <laughs> so nice. that's it for me. What's next for you? Uh, possibly the one season limited series. Maybe they'll come back and tell me some more. Uh, Mrs. Fletcher, Catherine Hahn. Oh, um, so good. I... This probably touches me in a spot that that's very specific to me as a woman of a certain age, as a single woman of a certain age, not going any further with that. Um, but with a child around the ages of this woman and I, I mean, aside from Catherine Hahn's amazing performance, aside from the Jackson White's amazing performance, Owen Teague. Casey Wilson, I'll kind of maybe say you didn't suck too terrible. Sure. Um, the the friend that she worked in, with at the um, old folks' home, the teacher, all of the people in the class, aside from these performances, the writing and the small moments and the subtlety of this script and what it may or may not be saying about how we feel about intimacy in this world at this time and if how important it is or is it so important spoiler alert yes it's really fucking important and it may be the one thing that we have to continue to look out for and give each other is intimate moments and to share intimacy now what does that mean does that mean and that's what was so interesting. And I thought it was just brilliant and lovely. And Catherine Hahn, I really wish you would be my friend. But I, if they never do another episode, I will be satisfied with what they have. If they hand me more, I will be very thrilled. But so I just, I can't stop thinking about it. I want to read the book. I really thought this was just great. I mean, this was Catherine Hahn's year. If I, could yeah. stick, if I had to stick a person yeah. other than Kumail Nanjani's abs, it would be Catherine Hahn. His um, abs aren't actually a person, just so we're clear. <laughs> 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 You're objectifying his abs. I am. Fair enough. <laughs> That's he okay. wants me to. Yeah, I know he does. Yeah. So good, though. <laughs> he worked hard on you. them. This Fletcher was really good. It was great. Yeah. And Catherine Hahn, so good. Everybody in that show, so good. And so 
personal and well thought out and so much to say that I'm still digging into it and I, I'm, I will read the book and I will probably watch the show again. And I guess we should say this is on HBO and you can yes. watch it now. So do you, can. It if you can. All of it's right there and yeah. it's so worth it. It's worth yeah. your time. Half hour episodes. It's like three and a half hours fast. total. It's, yep. it's so good. Totally. You. Um, so number seven, I almost didn't. I was hoping the timing would work better because I wanted you to kick it off. Um, and I think I'm not going to say too much. I'm, I know you've got thoughts whether or not it's on your list. Um, unbelievable was... It is on my list. Okay, good. Um, so I think I'm going to let you talk mostly about it. Okay. I will say, let me just say quickly. Yes, please. Um, I just, this show was hard for me. I think I talked about on the podcast. And some of it was like procedural, like I'm bored. But I think sitting with it for a while, some of it was... Also not wanting to reckon with yeah. what it was putting in front of me. Um, Absolutely. This show is, I think we said on the podcast, required viewing for, I mean, certainly for all men. Um, and uh, it just, I've, I, I feel like I've had conversations with so many women. Like my mom just texted me the other night about how just much it just spoke to her about kind of the, the culture of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to even phrase this, but right, the police sort of reaction, law enforcement reactions around rape or anybody's reactions around mm-hmm. rape other than the person it happened to yep. um, and how that can um, just be a monster that plants its own terrible like um, doubt in you. And I, I'm not going to speak very eloquently about this except to say that I just really, this is stuck with me in a way that I didn't almost expect it to so i would love to hear your thoughts this is number three on my list uh so when we get there we will get there but um the first 20 minutes of the first episode should be required uh, watching for just about every single person on the face of the earth especially anyone who's ever said well why didn't they report yeah um this is why this is how and it's not it's not over dramatized. It's not, this is, it, it's very bare bones. This is what you can be in for. And then the next required watching should be all police report uh, departments watching Merritt Weaver's performance of how you actually talk to a rape victim and how you say, may I touch your face? And the, uh, I know she's an actor. I, I get that, but she's also playing a character that is based on somebody that she got to know. And these are actually techniques that they teach in law enforcement and that you can pick up and move on into the world and share. It's not an idealized way that some actor is pretending to be a cop. These are things that they teach. We have just decided not to treat women like this. And instead we've decided to treat women the way that Caitlin Deaver's character gets treated in by everyone, by her foster family, by her foster father. This is how we have decided to treat women around sexual assault because we still think that women either asked for it or deserved it or should feel dirty about it or wrong about it. And this show lays that bare in a way that I don't, I, I don't remember a show in recent memory. Yeah. Or that I can truly ever, even even The Accused, which stands out as, you know, a a movie that talked about how we victimize the victims. Right. And and 
it lays bare what this is like for women. And even if you haven't been raped or you haven't been sexually assaulted to the point where you would be reporting a crime, we've all walked around in it and we've all been blamed for it. And this show is amazing and has such a great cast and talks about it in such an uncomfortable and yet very honest way that I, I, I don't know that I can, could sit through it again. I would like to because I think the performances were so amazing and I think it had so much to say and I think it's important, but it was real hard to be there. And it's on Netflix, it. so everybody watch yeah. it. Um, it so also just good. like... And a crazy side note, the, the two detective characters played by Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver are like, I want to just watch this, yes. this, these two in a whole series. But the show's thing is like, that's not what this show is about, yeah. but glad that you enjoyed that. Yes. Like it's that kind of show where Come like, in for this yeah. and stay for what you need to yeah. see. And just, I just, oh. So good. Such a great show. What's your number seven? Uh, well, we're on six. Six. <laughs> and a uh, little bit of escapism and a great last line and a book that I am now real, real mad because apparently the sequel doesn't come out until June of 2021. Lee Bardo, I'm looking at you in Ninth House. Nice. Um, I just, this was a fun romp. This isn't a great piece of literature. However... I was completely wrapped up in it in the time that I was reading it. The dialogue is so good. She nailed the last line. I'm along for the ride. Please write faster. Ninth House was just great. Thank Go you. Go back Lee and Bardo. listen to us talk about that. Few yeah. episodes, not too far back. No, just a couple um, episodes. Super ago. fun book. Yep. Sometimes you need your escapist. I do. Like, all the good stuff. And, and I want it written well. Yeah. You want to escape with and me? I'll go there's write. There's also more to it than just escapism. I totally No, there absolutely yeah. is along the lines of these yeah. same themes that I've been talking about catch and kill and unbelievable yeah. and and women and and strength and victims and it's great it's really worth it i i don't know i i really enjoyed it but it was also just a lot of fun it's funny talking about at, at the top of this like how it was hard to come up with the 10 and pop culture's felt a little i don't know complicated this year but there's so much for me, that's like bubbling right under. There was so much right. very good stuff, and I, for me, I would put that right in there. Yeah, it's just hard to narrow it down into a top ten. So, sure. um, what was your six? Uh, my six was Liz Fair's uh, memoir, not really collection of essays, horror stories. Um, I, I've not read a book uh, that's a, a sort of musician memoir that is so something else in so long. I talked about it at length on that episode. Go back and just like search Liz Fair in our podcast. Um, this is a collection of essays about what it means to be human in the world, what it means to look at your own privilege in the world, what it means to understand your adoption and kind of how that relates to your parents. Um, this book made me cry, <laughs> like, like very sort of like, uncontrollably uncontrollably at a few points did not expect that it's called horror stories i probably should have um but it is not glib it is thoughtful it is also funny it is also honest it's sometimes infuriating because she's very much herself um i just this is a book that is going to stick with me all year nice. um and i'm going to see her with alanis morissette yes, um sure. that yeah in june i have to wait a while but i'm very excited i wish she was opening but that's june fairs. of 2020 not yeah. june of 2021 no, it's like watching terrible previews uh <laughs> what's next for you uh okay so 
in a year that brought us things like Boy Erased, which where we all really super forgot, and a whole bunch of we're trying to understand queer stories and uh, friendships between queer people or women. Booksmart. Nice. Where the, instead it wasn't a message about a about a queer friendship or a straight person and a queer person. It was a story about a friendship between two women. One of them happens to be gay and her whole story isn't a message either. Again, Caitlin Deaver. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Beanie Feldstein was great. Skylar Gisnato. This was just a really, and it let these girls be a little bit vulgar, um, but in a sweet, funny way, but also really, really just celebrated the love that these two friends had for each other. And that's kind of important to me. I don't know if we've talked about that in 101 episodes or what or not, but your friends being your support and you're being your family and what that means isn't always celebrated especially not with women um it's so funny also just which is crazy because some of the best friends i have in the world are these amazing women but we're supposed to be backstabbing each other and fighting each other for men and like being catty behind each other's back and this movie wasn't that even in the rich character played by billy lord she was still celebrating these two people that she was trying to take around along on this crazy journey and i just i think about it a lot i laughed a lot I thought some of it was so touching, and I re- just really, really liked it. It's interesting. I mean, that movie that movie is definitely like in my bubbling under with many things. But I watching some of my younger twenty something coworkers and the way that their queerness or not queerness or whatever is so not the point. Yep. And it's just and I that love m- it. Booksmart was a real celebration of that yep. in a way that also didn't be like, hey, look at us. Like, right. it was sort of just like. This is how it is. That's exactly how I wanted to say it earlier. And thank you. Because that explains what I'm trying to say about how it wasn't the message and it wasn't the point. It just was. It just was. Yeah. And it's so rare. And that's how we may be okay. If we continue to be that, we we might be okay. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I have an unexpected, if you told me in, I don't know, five years ago that Pedro Almodovar would have a movie on my list. Um, I'm guessing this could be on your list. I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, Pain and Glory. Um, wow. What a just devastatingly beautiful, crazy, like, I don't know. We just don't get movies like this very often anymore. Um, dealing with addiction and pain and love and heartbreak and just um, Antonio Banderas's performance in this is, if he doesn't win the fucking Oscar, like, I'm going to riot and break all the things um this movie is just it's so many things it's so hard to even encapsulate like what it's about um but it is it just is (laughs) it's in your bones it's in your veins like a drug honestly um it it is incredible um i just really loved it i don't really care whether or not almodovar lived through this or not um I, I, I had it in my number two slot, but I have something I can slot in there that is that'll work. So okay. yeah. It, this movie is how life often feels. Yes. It is so sympathetic to the feeling of why you'd want to do to horribly addicting crazy drugs and, and not judgy about it, but also aware of the risks of that. It's just it it's a very queer movie in a million ways. Yep. Speaking of queer movies that sort of understand what that's like. 
and for an older generation can't quite just discount it because older generations yep. struggled with this in totally different ways. Um, it's gorgeous. I love it. Yep, it's, it's, I agree. Was, could have been closer on my own. I agree. My it was my number two, but like yeah. I said, I, I've yeah. got something I can talk about there. Cool. All right. Uh, number four, because my three is unbelievable, it's, I'm going to feel okay that I have a tie here. Nice. Uh, this is in a world where nihilism and broken people are often discounted. I have Barry and End of the Fucking World. Nice. Um, both about, both that could be taken on this sort of face value kind of wacky comedy about like, it's like, you know, psychotic people, uh, sociopaths possibly, and instead end up being super poignant and beautiful about how broken people can help each other. And, uh, maybe they aren't actually that broken. And if you just go a little bit further, maybe you're going to be okay. These are both full of absolutely fabulous performances. Um, and I, uh, Barry will be back in March, end of the fucking world. I really do hope you get a third season. Uh, come on, Netflix, don't mess this up. Um, because these are shows that could easily be thought of, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, some Danny McBride type thing that you, you forget in 30 seconds. But if you give them a second look, they're both way deeper than that. Uh, they're both and shows they need to catch up with. They're so good. They are both really, really good. And if you just take them at first va- uh, at face value in their first couple of episodes, you could easily walk away. And they really, they pay off in the investment, in giving them the time, in letting them grow on you. And they are just both great. Nice. So You are on four. I am on four. <laughs> I am going to... Um, uh, plead the fifth and obscure my fourth. Okay, good. We so you do to, three. Because <laughs> I know it's, yeah, it's on yeah. your list and I'd rather, yeah, okay. talk, have you talk about it. You do three. Um, I'm going to do three. Jenny Lewis, uh, formerly the Man Rado Kylie. Uh, the, I even hate saying that at this point because she's done so much in her own that it feels ridiculous to even say that. Uh, she is pretty much my favorite musician of the past, I don't know, decade. Um, she's just put out more great music. Um, constantly pushing herself and changing um she did this album that was really came out of writer's block it's called on the line but she sort of pushed through it ended up being a lot about um a breakup it ended up being a lot about um her parents as always she writes a lot about her parents she was a child actor in a million things and has a very insider look at hollywood in a way that sorry once upon a time in hollywood not on my list um i feel like just listen to any jenny lewis album and you get a much deeper more deeply felt understanding of everything that movie was trying to do i would like to play a song called wasted youth which is one of uh, the much talked about songs on the album that does not indeed have the line I wasted my youth on a puppy um, but listen to it and uh, tell me what you think afterwards
what did you hear there? I wasted my youth on a. No. Poppy. Oh, Pop. Uh-huh. Well, that's no. That's what I yeah. thought. So, like, yeah. she was. Which I think she sort of is heroin? tying into heroin yeah. and also Wizard of Oz because yeah. both of those things come in. Okay, in her I got the heroin and the yeah. poppies. Um, but man, it's like Carol King. If Carol King was like, here's how the world actually works. <laughs> um, I really fucking love Jenny Lewis, and she just continued. This whole album is just like very few albums this year stood out to me as just being like a perfect album and this album just it's a journey in the best possible way and that voice is just just grabs my heart it's like it squeezes it and shakes it yeah no um, she has a beautiful voice yeah um what do you got next okay so number two was pain and glory which i'm gonna slot out and i'm gonna slot in nice. antonio banderas nice Gave two of the best performances I have seen this year. I have seen in a few years two very different performances. Pain and Glory, which we just talked about, and I completely agree it would be here in this number two, except that now I'm just going to bow down to Antonio Banderas in a suit in the laundromat, which came close to making my list but didn't quite make it. Mainly because of his wonderful performance, and he was so funny and so different and... I think he's another one of these actors that I have been, people have been poo-pooing me forever because of, you know, the Desperado and all of that. And he's so good looking. And and I said, no, 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 guys, really, he can act. And now that he's not quite so hunky, he's getting roles. And people are saying, oh, who knew Antonio Banderas could act? Me. I knew Antonio Banderas could act. And thank you this year for putting him in the number two spot so that we can all appreciate Antonio Banderas. So hot. Um, so hot. <laughs> uh, and Laundromat was right up there. Yes, I mean, it was. So many good performances. Absolutely. I think that was one of those movies that had a great immediate effect on yep. me that sort of evaporated a little bit as time went on. Yep. Um, but also a much, I don't know, it didn't get great reviews and I don't understand it. I don't either. Everybody, that's on Netflix. Go watch that. It's really it's, good. Uh, Antonio Banderas wears the hell out of a bunch of suits. Yeah, totally. The Laundromat, Steven Soderbergh, it's worth it. Yep. What um, was your number two? Uh, number two for me, and on the flip side of the coin, this may be recency, recency bias, um, The Watchmen, which uh, we just watched the finale of last night, in fact. Um, I oh, I think I've talked about the show a little bit. I liked the comic. I thought it was very pioneering in many ways that like, I can understand why it's sort of become this great uh, urtext of sort of challenging um, sort of comic tropes. Uh, this show is better than Alan Moore's The Watchmen comic. It is um, much less about abstract fear and much more about real fear for real groups of people, um, mostly people of color. Is uh, 100% what the show is about. Um, even though Damon Lindelof, who you know was the showrunner and came up with the idea, is white, he seeded uh, the room with many uh, writers of color, and you can feel it. The show is about generational trauma it is about um you know how do you fight back against uh oppression and racism um like how do you like do you wear a mask or do you do it in the broad daylight like it so feels so relevant in a million possible ways i will say this was number one for me until uh this finale i think the couple complaints about the finale um spoilers for the Watchmen finale if you've not seen it i do think it 
It's bad guy, which I just, I won't even go fully into, but I think the bad guy's master plan, I was building something up more interesting in my head than actually was. And that was a little disappointing. Happens a fair amount in my life. I'm always watching a different movie in my head, Um, which just is, yeah, I should just write my own movie. Um, But yeah, I thought it was, I mean, really, if you step back, the most successful comic adaptation I've ever seen. Um, I don't like seriously I can't think of a single other thing it's like any year where everybody's praising the Avengers which was a pretty good finale for what it was but meant nothing it was a bunch of computer generated like you know audience blah yay let's be excited that person Um, showed up this is so good Regina King is performance of the year in my mind Um, (sighs) just so wonderful Jeremy Irons is so good in this thing um, it is so thoughtful and smart and funny and crazy pants. Like just, yep. I just, the swings of this thing um, and just not, like not being embarrassed about the things that they were trying to do um, because they just were, you know, nutty and imaginative, but were really working towards an end story. I just, I really, really liked this show a lot and I hope there's a second season. <laughs> I also really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I was as compelled to watch it as you were. When I sat and watched it, I really enjoyed it. But what I super enjoyed was everybody's performances. Yeah. And maybe this is because I am not tuned into the core material and I don't didn't get a whole bunch of the the references and I didn't, you know, sometimes I felt super lost. I was never upset with this show, even if I didn't understand it. Uh, I thought the performances were great. I would sit and watch it again. It just didn't my, make my list merely because I was not tuned into it in that way. I, don't, I thought it was great, but... And I also... Another reason I think it's bumped down to number two is it is speaking to people that have read the comic primarily. Yeah. And I sort of love that it just does that. Yeah, which but, is great. But it's also... I don't know how people who did not read the original comic made any sense of it. I mean, it answers all the questions eventually... Yeah. But yeah, there's a I mean, lot of things you have to it trust. I like, it. oh, I know what this is referring to. Right, please. you have to trust it, and you have to <sighs> be okay with the fact that you're just there for the performances and yep. for the the writing was great, and I was, and I kept coming back. It just wasn't transcendent for me in that same way because it just wasn't. I wasn't there from the beginning. The fact that this again spoilers thing ends in the movie theater where the Tulsa riots happened. Yep. Uh, with the you know character played by Luke Gossett, who you know was there as a little kid who saw his parents slaughtered, ends there with his granddaughter that he didn't know he had because he was gay and God knows all sorts of other things. The poignancy of that scene of looking and seeing a black superhero yep. in, in a silent movie, um, which is sort of what the the movie the show starts with, and just how important that is. But like, what does the mask mean in that role? Yep. Um, this is. I it's, it's I hate to be like it's profound it's profound it is just, profound no I um, get it that it makes me like borderline like tear up thinking yeah. about what a important great fun show this is yep. um, all right what you got next uh, my number one is um, it's very very rare that you have a perfect album that you have a perfect book that you have a perfect anything and Phoebe Waller Bridge has handed me twelve perfect episodes and of Fleabag. The first season was last year and 
I think wonderful, but also very much about a broken person and some cringiness. And uh, the second season, I think I actually loved even more because it was about also ties into so many of the other themes that that my whole list seems to be about, about accepting yourself about being ready to love somebody or let somebody love you. And is that the right person? Um, just so incredibly well-written and so incredibly thoughtful and full of performances that were fabulous and funny. And I Fleabag, I, I do not know how to thank Phoebe Waller-Bridge enough for Fleabag, for writing it, for understanding it, for just being her i this show is so amazing and i love it so much and also thank you for andrew scott i mean sherlock whatever but thank you for this andrew scott this was such a piece of perfection and i am so appreciative of it that it goes at number one and it was number four for me um it was so good and in, in fact, I sort of forgot to put it on my list originally because it now just feels like so part of like the canon right. of good stuff that I couldn't even imagine that it happened this year. Um, and so much as if like this happened since then. But I agree that this season was even better than an already terrific first season. Yeah. Um, it's the way that it handles this relationship and this relationship being about like, are we talking about God or are we talking about our feelings and being like, hey, I can't come to an answer on either of these questions yep. is a brilliant mm-hmm. like ending. When I talk about Watchmen improving sci-fi superhero genre, this show does that with the rom-com. There's a few um, moments where he sees her break the fourth wall and everybody's invited in and she's and he's like hey what are you doing and that's when you find your person that's like hey who are you yelling at in your head yep and that's fucking brilliant because i yell at people in my head all the time and yet she also still has a wink for you at the end there's always a sense of like it's okay to do that Mm -hmm. but also to know that that is not engaging with and it is okay to let some people let a few people know that you're yelling people at people in your head or totally you know that you're a little lost and it was mm. man we talked about go back and listen to that episode but the uh one-off cameos uh Kristen south thomas um who else was in it Uh, uh, so uh, many great olivia coleman's in it but she's not one off there's uh the aunt petunia is amazing i'm sorry i cannot fiona shaw sorry shaw so good Um, just the sister whose name i'm forgetting she's terrific Um, so good another show i kind of wish was continuing but i will be very much okay if this is the end just so appreciative that it is what it is and thank you for that yeah. Martin McDonough, don't screw this up. You've got yourself a gem. <laughs> don't direct the movie because I will not be having that. There won't be a movie. Please not. What's um, your number one, Justin? My number one is my, I mean, when I talked earlier about my um, um, Hearts Beat Loud, this is just my sentimental whatever pick of the year. It just, I, it just wrecked me emotionally. It is not for everybody. It turns out it's not for most people. Um, <laughs> I love the transparent finale so deeply in my bones i listen to the soundtrack all the time i love the performances so much uh this 
I didn't even like this show that much. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was fine. As I watched it, there were some good seasons. There were some not-so-good seasons. I feel like this is the distillation of everything that the show was doing right. It is so open-hearted. The fact that it dealt with Jeffrey Tambor's, uh, you know, sexual harassment uh, accusations in such a, like, engaged, like, unflinching way. And it was like, no, this show is about our trans characters. This show is about our female characters that deal with these people. This show is about our queer characters. Like, these are all imperfect, very frustrating, very L.A. kind of, like, caricatures of privileged L.A., you know, industry, all of those boxes are checked, and yet they get their shit handed to them. There is a song, this has become one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack, where um, her uh, best friend Davina, basically, she leaves, uh, Jeffrey Tambor's character Moira leaves the house to Davina, and Davina's just like, Moira left this goddamn house to yeah. me, you kids weren't here, get out. <laughs> and it is just, it's it's per- it's perfect it is the perfect distillation of what 2019 has felt like to me of like, <laughs> like let's stop pretending like who's at the center of this or that there is a center. Like we are all the center. And then like, until we embrace that we're fucked. <laughs> um, and these performances, Amy Landecker, uh, Gabby Hoffman, even the uh, Duplass brother who's really gotten on my nerves before uh, this music is like, very gooey LA 70s Stephen Schwartz musical, rock musical, and yet it was really affecting to me. Um, Joya Cost, uh, Judith Light singing, um, a very hammy, shticky. I think, again, with Watchmen, this is the theme in my list. Things were unafraid to be so kind of emotional and honest and silly felt the best to me this year and there are moments of this are so silly um i mean richard kind duetting with uh there's so many silly parts of this i love it i i'm addicted to it i i keep trying to turn people onto it but i think it's just gonna have to be my own private thing i listened to the anti-apocalypse soundtrack in my car and cry so you you get to have transparent and i'm glad that it makes you so happy and i'm glad that it speaks to you and that's just who you are, and so I love that you love it. It should have just been a couple hours of television, and that should have been it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> should have been one other two-hour movie and this follow-up, and I would have been totally happy. Perfect. All right. Um, I think that is it for now. Uh, some good stuff. And we will talk next week about Star Wars and see if it cracks the list. And we will also probably have some disappointments. Talk about stuff we didn't up. like. Yeah. Which is um, fun. Always fun. Ranting at the voices in our head to each other. Yes. Um, all right. We're, well, I can talk where they can reach us because it's my turn. <laughs> um, you can talk to us at Facebook. We have a group there. Um, sometimes people like it. Um, sometimes they don't. Um, I did not die. Fanny's friend. No. <laughs> I'm still alive. Podcast is still going Hi, on. Hi, Hillary. Um, also, you can talk to us at Twitter on the ne- at the next podcast. Um, I'm at Justin Ardell on Twitter, making I'm... lots of bad Mandalorian jokes. Yeah, he really is like them because otherwise only I like them and then he feels bad. And I am at Fanny V. Darling. I do not make Mandalorian jokes, but I would like to see Pedro Pascal's butt. We will probably have a little bit of a delay because I am going away. Yes. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>